Oxford Ryder, welcome to the star-studded final word, the show that invites you into the conversation. You can get your opinion on TV right here on Channel 11 every Sunday night. Why in the world would you want to be anywhere else? All right, let's get started by introducing you to tonight's three panelists. The afternoon host of 105.9 The X, Mr. Mark Madden. Albie, I got vaccinated for COVID weeks ago. And I didn't have a potential $1.7 million payday in my future. What a dummy Rom is. <laughs> From our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kabatsovich. I had this whole clever intro worked out, but I just happened to agree with every syllable of that. So back to you, Albie. And from the trip, also Steelers radio host. Hi, Tim Benz. You know, on Mark's show earlier this week, Pittsburgh Penguins president of hockey operations, Brian Burke, said, you know, we won a division title, for God's sakes. Hey, he's only been here four months. Already spoken like a true Steeler fan. Some of the topics we're talking about tonight, we're looking for five words on the suspension of Winnipeg's Mark Scheifele for his hit on Jake Evans, the Penguins, and the kind of changes that you now expect management to make in the offseason. The Pirates, should they be looking to build around Cabrian Hayes sooner? rather than later in the COVID controversy in golf and how it's being handled. But first, the big topic. After hearing from Ron Hextall and Brian Burke this past week, what are your impressions on how they're handling the Penn's goaltending situation, Mark? First off, Albie, I don't do impressions. But as far as the Penguins goaltending goes, I can't get a bead on what the real intent of Hextall and Burke is. Because from my standpoint, you can't make Jari the number one goalie again and probably shouldn't even have him on the team. The fans will never forgive him. Can you imagine the uproar at PPG Paints Arena the first time Jari lets in a bad goal next year? And I'm not sure the dressing room is ever going to trust him again. But how do you move him? The other GMs in the league, they all have TVs. They all saw what happened. So I think at the very least, if you intend to keep Jari or if you have no choice but to keep Jari, you got to get a veteran goalie to compete with him for playing time. A guy like Antti Ranta of Phoenix that could be a number one if the situation dictated. All right, Dan. I think we had become so accustomed to Jim Rutherford and his manner of speaking with us in the media and then through us to the public that we find it jarring now when executives speak like actual executives, you know, that, not, that aren't nearly that folksy or old school. That's what we heard from Hextall and Burke this week. We heard it in their comments to us. We heard it in Brian Burke's comments on Mark's show. They talked very, very executive E. They have no reason whatsoever to knock Tristan Jari because they hurt his value, as Marx just pointed out. They, they have no benefit whatsoever to the Pittsburgh Penguins in doing that. Do I believe they're going to enter next season with Jari as the number one and Casey DeSmith as the number two? Wow, no. You can't do that. You just can't. This thing is going to resonate. You can't do that, but they might anyway. Tim, we got a glimpse of what you think in the opening statement. What are your thoughts? Well, I tend to agree with where Mark and Dan are both going there. To Mark's most recent comment, I don't know how they get a goalie of real repute to replace Jari, given their cap situation and other moves they have to make, but they better get creative because I think it's necessary. And to Dan's point, he's exactly right. I think that's why Burke and Hextall were speaking in the manner that they were, uh, in part to boost up Tristan Jari's confidence in case he does have to be their starter next year. And on the other hand, in case they find somebody who's actually willing to think about 
taking him on for whatever number he has and for whatever prospects they could get back for him in a trade. Hey, Tim, I'm calling Anaheim. I'm calling Anaheim and asking about John Gibson. Why not? Why not? Why not make it part of a larger deal mm -hmm. with other yeah, things going Yeah, sorry for forth. Gibson. No, why not just trade that? all no, no, our no, bad players for of, all their good players? <laughs> all right. A reminder, keep those comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word on Facebook at The Final Word. But first, it's time for five words. Give us five words on the four-game suspension for that brutal hit on Jake Evans. We're going to go to Twitter first. Is four games even enough another contributor says let's hope it's a trend and finally abuse of power from panos now it's time for the panel's turn mark uh, your five words first uh, a little bit too long uh, you had to give him something because of the aftermath of the hit the perceived injury uh, he did commit a charging penalty no doubt about that but 15 or 20 years ago that's just a hit Colby Armstrong invented that hit. He used to deliver it That's right. all the time. <laughs> but uh, I just don't believe that when a guy like Evans makes himself vulnerable to make a play, it's Shifley's duty to protect him. Okay, protect yourself. And if you do sacrifice, well, he sacrificed all right. All right, five words from Dan. Wait, we're talking Winnipeg? Cool. That's my five words here. No, <laughs> seriously, my affinity for the city aside here. Uh, Mark Shifley, I heard this a million times through the week, was that he had some duty or responsibility, to, to play off Mark's comment here, to poke check him. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You have every right in the National Hockey League to execute a body check. Now, was he guilty of charging over 200 feet? Sure. Why was he skating that hard back that fast? To try to prevent a goal. Mark Shifley had absolutely no history. If you want to have a real debate here, talk about how he got four games, but Ryan Reeves, who's holding a clump of a human being's hair in his hand, got two. Tim, five words. My five words are not innocent, not Charles Manson, but you wouldn't know if you're on Twitter because it had to be one thing or the other. Right. It was he should be thrown out for the rest of the playoffs and half the next season, or it should be he shouldn't get anything because he didn't do anything wrong. So when the word came down that it was four games, I found myself not knowing how to feel. Like, is that right or wrong? Because the extreme got so much in this conversation. Look, I think one thing we do have to keep in mind is that when Shifley charged, he had to know in his head what he was doing. He was trying to hammer the guy so the guy didn't score. And as a result, if you hammer somebody, you might be taking them out and a penalty might ensue. So he had to be cognizant of what he was doing so I don't feel bad that he got a suspension. A, a better play than hitting him, though, to prevent a goal would have been to try to get stick on puck. Not in the rules, though. It's not, it's not mandatory the way everybody made it sound this week. You're right, but that would have been a better play. All right. Uh, thank you all. We have more to discuss about the Penguins. What kind of changes you might expect the team to, uh, to make uh, or not make in the offseason? From Twitter, little to none. Not a lot of money to spend, so I expect quiet offseason. The, the panel debates that next on The Final Word. the final
final word. I'm Albie Oxenrider with Mark Madden, Dan Kabatovich, and Tim Ben, staying with hockey and the Penguins. Ron Hextall seemed to say that he likes a lot about the Penguins team despite their early playoff exit. After hearing from management, what kind of changes, if any, do you see the Penguins making in this offseason, Tim? I think they want to make changes. I'll actually go to Burke's comments more so than Hextall's because I found them to be more pointed and on the point, which was to say that deliberately and specifically he wanted to get bigger and he wanted to get stronger but at the same time he says he likes so much about the team as i mentioned before for god's sakes we won division he likes the goaltending he likes the core three he likes the coach i don't know how you get substantively bigger and stronger and change that part of your play without making more changes than say just one trade of one of the top six forwards i don't know how that equates to get to his end game if he wants to get substantially bigger and stronger without making making more changes to that core that he doesn't seem to want to touch. All right, another comment. Where or how do you get bigger, faster, tougher, good skating players and stay within the cap limits? All right, Dan, your response to that and the subject. Well, look, if you could trade for both of the Kachuk brothers, you know, you could really do something here. But as Hextall suggested in his press conference, there aren't many players out there that are bigger, faster, and skilled. There are exactly 32 teams, I was about to skip Seattle, that are going to be looking for that kind of player this summer. The Penguins might have to be in a situation where they trade a Jake Gensel and give up, or a Brian Russ, and give up some skill and some production, kind of in a similar spirit to when they moved James Neal for Patrick Hornquist, and everyone's like, oh no, you can't trade James Neal. But maybe that's the type of deal that you make. If you're asking what I think they're going to do, I think it's going to be that kind of move and a goaltender. All right, Mark. If they could make that kind of deal, Neal for Hornquist using Gensel, then I would say go ahead and do it. But the teams that have the Kachuk brothers or Tom Wilson or Josh Anderson in Montreal, they're not going to trade that guy right. for Jake Gensel. Right. Brian Burke said on my show that they want to get big, strong players who can keep up with the Penguins' existing style. There are literally about 12 or 15 of them in the entire league. So I don't expect many big changes. And uh, if there aren't, maybe that's okay because they did just win the division. You can't burn it down. And uh, turning to the Pirates, they have a star in the making in Cabrian Hayes. He's back and he's doing some things. Should the Pirates start building around Cabrian Hayes sooner rather than later, Dan? It'll be difficult if they wanted to do that because you have to build ultimately a baseball team with your starting pitching. And the Pirates core really of starting pitching prospects is all the way in low class A Greensboro and they're not going to be showing up here next week knocking on anybody's door so I think you have to look at that first and foremost can they accelerate some other guys sure but when you're talking about Brian Hayes and whatever his window is to be in Pittsburgh and the Pirates do hold his rights for six full years I do think you look seriously at making sure that like for example Jacob Stalling sticks around so you have someone to work with those pitchers when they arrive but it's going to be really hard to push forward that timetable. All right, thanks, Dan. From Twitter, they should build around Frazier, Hayes, and Reynolds, but they won't. Tim? They won't. That guy's right. And as far as building around Frazier and Reynolds, I still know exactly how much you build, especially if Frazier's going to be gone sometime before the trade deadline, as I think he will. Listen, if we are to believe <clears throat> everything we hear from the Pirates about what their plan is, the question is impossible 
to fulfill because we're talking about three and four years away, all these prospects that they've gotten already for the Tyons, for the Bells, for the Musgroves. Uh, I just don't see how that's possible to build around Cabrian Hayes for the now, especially if Cabrian Hayes doesn't buy out his own arbitration years with a long-term deal very quickly, and I don't see that happening. Mark, do you build around Cabrian Hayes? I think the Pirates should build around Cabrian Hayes sooner because the New York Yankees will be building around him later. Whammy! All right, quite the controversy this weekend. John Rahm removed from the Memorial Tournament after a positive COVID test. Nearly half of PGA golfers have not been vaccinated. Should Rahm have been forced from the golf course after his test? And how should golf be handling the situation differently, Mark? Golf handled it exactly correctly. John Rahm violated the PGA's COVID policy because he wasn't vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you don't get tested for COVID. You are free and clear of that. But since he wasn't vaccinated and tested positive, the PGA COVID policy dictates he withdraw from the tournament. He's not Nathan Hale. This isn't about personal freedoms. This isn't negotiable. The dum-dum didn't get vaccinated and it cost him 1.7 million dollars and to be honest the more i talk about it <laughs> the more i laugh about it stupid from facebook no because it's a golf course and he oh, can wait 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 no shut up facebook idiot that's needed. not in the pga policy shut up the uh the the PGA Tour is taking the heat for this, which I find remarkable. Uh, there's every component to this situation was in Rom's control. I've heard people say, uh, well, you know, he's from Spain or whatever, and, you know, they're having a tougher No, he lives in Arizona. He's been on the PGA Tour. He knew exactly what the regulations were, and the real issue here is that less than half of all participants on the PGA Tour have been vaccinated. That is the only issue here. More than 85% of everyone in the NHL, NFL, and Major League Baseball are being required to be vaccinated. The Pirates are going to reach that point this coming week. And we're talking about less than 50%. That is entirely the issue here. Tim? Well, rules are rules, and he didn't follow the rules. Now, you can bring into question what the rules should be and whether or not if somebody tests positive after cutdown day, if you can just have them play by themselves, which I guess you could. That's not the game, though, Tim. Well, that's, that's not didn't the, I just that's, say that's that? I just said rules are rules. Yeah, like, I know. So where I'm, I'm just going saying, with that's the not the game. Is, is that if they don't follow the rules, then you get yourself burned. The reason that I got vaccinated as soon as I did, as quickly as possible, is because I knew those vaccination cards were going to turn into currency. And in this case, it's literal currency for John Rahm, like $1.7 million worth of currency <laughs> that he doesn't have now. Now, you can be smarter about how you allocate the rules if you want guys who aren't vaccinated to play. But obviously, they prefer everybody get vaccinated because, in this case, he didn't. And now look what happened. All right. When we come back, we're going to go around the horn on any topic. The final word is next. It's time for the final word, and everybody gets a chance. Tim, you're first. I saw on NFL.com this week where there was a list of every team's most undervalued player, and for the Steelers, they nominated outside linebacker Alex Highsmith, which is curious to me because 
I don't really know what his value is yet. We, we don't know who he is as a player. I think he's sound. I think he's solid. I think he's smart and coachable. I just don't know if he's explosive enough to replace Bud Dupree at outside linebacker. So I don't know who it is exactly that's placing a value on Highsmith, but I do think he's a significant question going into the NFL season, and there are lots of reasons for that. He's got to prove that he can be an impact player, not just a reliable one at that position in this defense. Final word, Mark. The Pirates just completed a four-game homestand at PNC Park. They had perfect weather. Key Brian Hayes returned from the injured list, and they won three out of four. The average attendance at PNC Park was somewhere a little over 6,000 fans. What a terrific baseball town. Beat them, Bucks. Day and final word. Najee Harris was one of those people who was over at PNC Park. Actually, Najee Harris has been everywhere. And I'm saying this in full support of that because I loved his personality. I loved what he's shown of it so far. I just can't remember, and maybe you guys can, another Pittsburgh athlete who's come along that's gotten this much adulation and automatic expectations the way he has. I mean, he's acting like he's, and I again, say this in a good way, he's acting like he's going to be great, and ideally you want that, but wow, he still hasn't played a game in the NFL yet. The Crosby kid got some attention when he showed up. He might have. That's going back a little bit. All right, thanks, guys. Our final word now from social media. End of the day, thankful for the body of work the Pens have given us. Some people haven't even seen a cup. Toronto, we've seen three recently. Big trade in the NFL this weekend. Julio Jones is headed to the Tennessee Titans. The Steelers face the Titans late in the season, and they'll have no shortage of great wide receivers on the schedule. This just adds to it. Maybe the Steelers should still be continuing to look for help at cornerback. That's the final word for tonight. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Mark, Dayan, and Tim. Thanks for staying up late with us. We'll see you next time.